Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 43 of the DMC podcast with your host today. Kind, humble, and handsome. Yeah, it's me, Adam Rigby, and my very special guest today is a triple threat with bronze, brain, and beauty. She has a heart as big as a planet, a brain as complex as the galaxy itself. She is a Fit 45 and Les Mills trainer. She is a doctor of psychology. She is a founder, trainer of Remix Coaching and Consulting. She is here to serve and save us all. She's a dear, dear friend and a wonderful woman. Big spell, kia ora welcome. Kia ora Adam, thank you so much. What an intro. We got there, eh? Yeah. <laughs> we got there. Yeah. We got there. Um, thank you so much for catching up with me and us um, today on another stunning day as summer rapidly disappears. Um, it's been a hot minute. It's been a while since you and I caught up. Obviously, you've moved from um, Wellington mm -hmm. down to the beautiful uh, South Island um, and call that your home now. And we met originally, just to frame it up, through Les Mills. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously fortunate um, to, to have time to spend with you, to see you in action, to see you um basically work your ass off to a place where you were an absolute master of your profession and to see you teach was always inspiring to me not in, not only in terms of your um athletic prowess um and the way that you attacked every moment but just how every ounce of effort and energy that came through from you was raw and real and I love that about you I really love that about you and it's something that I really miss too seeing seeing um, people like you in an element where you know that's where they belong so to have you here and chat to you today is a real treat for me um, I just want to say thank you the impact that you have had on my journey even though it may not seem like much to you, seeing you in action was always an inspiration to me and, and showing me how it should be done and the benefit of hard work and also, you know, self-belief in the face of absolute fear and doubt and chaos. <laughs> that group, that group, yes. that group fit, um, yeah, only group fit can, can provide. Um, how are you? How are you? I am very well thank you and i'm incredibly humbled by that that introduction and your 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 feedback because um i would say exactly the same about you as well and um the ridiculous inspiration you are on that bike and just as a human being so thank you for having me here and to to have life chats with you guys because um it's one of my favorite things to do and it's it, it i know already already my cup is filled up so thank you for uh, a selfish thank you for the opportunity to do that but i'm very well thank you and soon to be even better from this conversation yeah bless um those that uh have uh come across um you and your and your page we'll see the messages, we'll see the motivation, um, we'll see the way that you help people. And I'll go, if I go back to your um, 
and I, I think this is really relevant in terms of your Instagram header. I help mm. driven high achievers optimize potential by healing their inner critic, reducing stress mm. and strengthening resilience. Yeah. Um, that, that's, I mean, that in itself is a mouthful, but an amazing mix of positive reinforcement and messaging. What I'm, what I'm really keen to do is rewind and go right back. Can you remember the moment that, that, that brought you to this, that inspired you to actually get to this space? Like you can talk about the, the journey that starts through group fit. But obviously mm. something inspired you into that space. There was something in you in terms of helping people. It's in all of us, but to action it is another thing. Can you remember a moment or a person that actually inspired you and called you to action? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's, there's so many. It's so hard to pinpoint. Yeah. But I think I have always wanted to help somehow. I think right back to memories of being a little girl. Um, I have a distinct memory of when I was at uh, kindergarten and there was a young boy in my class that always seemed really sad and kind of on the outer and I just I have this memory it's not it's not really specific it's just a vague memory but of always wanting to sit down with him and talk to him because I just I felt I don't know there was something there I thought he ne he he needs a friend you know he needs and that I was all of four probably so that's one of my, my earliest memories I was always attracted to animals I used to want to be a vet because I wanted to help the sick animals but then I thought no I can't do that because I actually get too sad when animals are sick so I can't be a vet then I then I wanted to actually get into medicine specifically I used to want to be an orthopedic surgeon don't oh, know why so clearly I wanted to help people that needed their bones fixed um, but then I moved into I think when I was 16 I had a very almost like a just a straight out epiphany that I, I thought I want to be a criminal psychologist and I went to the library actually here in Marlborough and I found a book um, I think it was called Mindhunter written by an FBI profiler and that was when I was like, yeah, that's it. I've totally got to do that. In fact, I, I did want to work for the FBI, but then I realized that I was probably a bit hard because I need to go and move to the States and get a green card or whatnot. <laughs> but I did actually end up going to Victoria University and I um, did my studies in psychology and undergrad. Then I did postgrad, so honors in psychology, and then a PhD in forensic psychology. So I did actually follow through on that oh. um so i i didn't actually um end up becoming registered as a psychologist a, a forensic psychologist working in you know like corrections and stuff and, and treating people um but the journey of my phd was to do research in prisons and you know talk with people about about their lives about their offending about um you know their their cognition you know i did uh, my thesis was all around um we'd call it impulse control people so i was working with very high risk violent offenders that had obviously issues with impulse control and emotion regulation so that was sort of the flavor of my thesis but we did heaps of other research too in my lab um and so i just again i um i was drawn to prison as a I, I don't know why but as a place where people are hurting you know people are mm. wounded they and and they from that place of being wounded were wounding others and I just felt 
a compulsion to help somehow, which is why, you know, research plays a big role in understanding how to help in the best possible way. Um, from there, I then, uh, what did I do? I, I ended up working for the university, again, in a helping role where I was um, in charge of all of first year psychology. So eight, 900 first year psychology students. Um, I sort of was their leader, if you like, um, helping there, which was um, immensely um, rewarding and, and difficult because I, you know, that's a lot of, a lot of first year students to lead. And um, it's very difficult in first year psychology when you're, you know, leaving home for the first time and going from secondary school into university. It's a massive shift. Um, then into more helping, I worked for an organization called Te Hiringa Hauora, which is um, the health promotion agency. Uh, so a government organization where we were essentially uh, translating advice from the Ministry of Health to the public. So social marketing of, of health and wellbeing advice. That was awesome, just a completely different spin. Um, and then I, I sort of thought, okay, there's, there's still something missing here. You know, there's, I feel like, um, I think when you work for government, a lot of the time you end up doing stuff like contract management and procurement and stuff like that. <laughs> was like, yeah, nah, not really me. Eh? <laughs> so I actually asked myself one day, you know, a good couple of years ago now, maybe four or five years ago, if, you know, what would I be doing if I had my ideal job what would it look like? And that is how Remix Coaching and Consulting was born, which was, you know, it's taken me a while to get to the place where I've narrowed it down that what I do love helping with is helping people heal the inner critic, manage their stress, manage their energy and build resilience. Um, but that's kind of how it all came to be. And uh, there's just sort of so many experiences that came together, so many people that inspired that journey. And of course, Les Mills is part of that as well, the fitness aspect um, of just bringing together all aspects of our well-being and our resilience, you know, the physical part, the mental part, the emotional part, you know, honouring the darker sides of our being, which, you know, I started with in the forensic psychology work I did, and also helping to build the lighter parts of us, you know, the, the, the good bits, you know, all of it, all of it matters, all of it can come together. And um, I just love anything to do with, with helping people optimize their potential, whether they are already in a good space or whether they might be trying to turn their lives around from something that has actually been really dark and destructive. Um, yeah, that's the journey to date. Wowzers and, yeah. and kudos to you, like like the the role of honors and and how many years were uh, were involved in study from go to woe? Oh my to gosh, um, to, well actually more than there needed to be because um, <laughs> probably about ten. But you can you can do a PhD much quicker than I did. But um, part of part of that my fuel for wanting to help people heal their inner critic is because I was really paralyzed by mine in the process of you know trying to do a PhD um, really expecting perfection from myself expecting myself to have everything figured out already you know feeling like I didn't belong in the academic world telling myself I wasn't brainy enough or um, competent enough to be there and that actually held me up it took you know it meant that my PhD probably took me 
nearly twice as long as it needed to because I was sort of fumbling around doing the research work that I was more comfortable with and totally avoiding the kind of academic stuff that I wasn't comfortable with. So yeah, about 10 years. But uh, so it turns out I could have probably gone to medical school anyway to be, <laughs> to be an orthopedic surgeon, same amount of time. But um, yeah, it's, you know, that massive learning journey through all of that in more ways than one. And I, and I guess too, when you're going through the process and of, of the study and, and reflection is a great thing, right? But um, as, as you've been working with people and you, and you, and you talked um, briefly about your own demons and the stuff that you're facing, is that something that you came across through helping other people? So in the process of helping other people with situations, does something resonate with you to say hey that's totally me and has that allowed you to take a step back and work more on yourself to enable you to help others yeah i think i think it's a it's a constant kind of interactive interactive process when you're working with people that um you i think i've always been i've always been a deeply kind of introspective reflective person so i've i always am analyzing myself which is a double-edged sword it's not always good um and i've always been interested in kind of what makes us human and and our common humanity if you like so i think that's the beautiful thing of working with people that i am definitely not you know the expert that's got all that am i allowed to swear on here adam absolutely okay that's got all their shit sorted like i i absolutely don't i'm on the journey too i am i am you know you're over there on your mountain climbing it i'm over here on mine and we're both just you know trying our best to reach the top whatever that looks like for us and um you know i can share things that help people learn about them but i most definitely am learning from the people that i work with all the time too um whether that is you know a a senior manager in, in, in government with, you know, manage, leading a huge team or whether it's, you know, a murderer in prison. I know that sounds a bit kind of in your face, but I've learned yeah. many things, many things from people that walk a, or have walked a completely different life to me. Um, and that's why I valued that those experiences so much. And that's intense. Eh? I mean, that's the, that's like you say, it's a co conversation to the extreme. Mm. I guess there's a there's a couple of big things that I wanted to to talk with you about today, and I'd love to really unpack um, your time in prison and the learnings there. But I mean, today's today's time is like no other, and mm. it comes up in every conversation. Uh, the, the the disruption, the 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 energy, the combative nature of everything everything mm -hmm. that's happening um what the press is saying what the people are saying um i mean for for, for a lot of us and a, and a virus that still continues to run rampant mm -hmm. um through through the globe causing havoc and continuing to cause havoc fuel prices higher than they've ever been grocery prices hiking kiwis <laughs> kiwis face to face uh fight fighting each other in explicit inexplicably but wanting this exactly the same things um it's just gone nuts hey it's mm. just gone 
nuts. And for me, and I, and I guess, you know, I can speak for a wide number of the population of Wellington, specifically in the city who are involved directly or had been affected directly, the energy of the city changed dramatically and the vibe changed dramatically. And as a result of that environment, people's attitudes changed. And even for me, I found myself in an absolute funk and um, being an empath at the highest level is mm. always difficult. Mm -hmm. um, especially when you're feeding off other people's vibes, you're trying to help people, but when everybody's in pain, but to experience when an entire city is in pain mm. is something way different. And I've managed uh, and I've managed to slowly work my way out of it. And thanks to conversations like this and talking to other people and, and trying to find ways to fill my cup. So that's really what I wanted to talk to you about. The main throw of the conversation today is when everything unravels, when everything you hold dear seems to be falling apart, when people are suffering, when one side says this and the other side says that, when you find yourself at 50% and you just don't know how to pull yourself out of it. That's a big question, hey. What are, some, what are some of the tools or advice that you can give people, like a focal point, something to work on, something that can assist us in just moving forward? Yeah, that's such a good question. And so, I mean, God, it's the, the energy's even been heavy here, and I'm not even in Wellington, but it's, it's, you're so right that it can easily feel pretty uh, hopeless and helpless at the moment, added in with uh, the situation in Ukraine, which, um, you yeah. know, is wow, wow, wow. Okay, so I think that, you know, it, it is so easy to just get get in a funk and, and think, what the hell am I supposed to do to get out of it? And there, there, are, there are lots of things we can do, but I think one of the most important things is just to give yourself permission to be in the funk in the first place, you know, um, because I think that we can often spend so much um, mental and emotional energy almost on asking the question of like, okay, how can I fix myself? You know, like, how can I get out of this? What should I do? What should I, and we get panicky about it because we assume that, you know, we're somehow failing at life if we don't feel okay. Um, you know, we, we're fed messages all the time that, you know, by media, by social media, by, you know, that life should be grand and we should be happy and up and energized all the time. And I think if, you know, any group fitness instructors listening will probably feel the pressure of that. You know, we're trying to carry everybody's energy and keep everybody up, up, up all the time. Um, but the, the reality of life is um, it, it, does, it does have suffering. You know, there is pain in life. And sometimes that is the volume on that will be turned up louder than other times. And at the moment, the volume is turned up pretty, pretty high. So it is, it starts with um, huge doses, I think, of self-compassion, uh, of learning how to relate to yourself as your own best friend and giving yourself permission to feel the heaviness and to feel your feelings, you know, to check in with yourself and, and actually ask the question of like, what, what am I feeling right now? You know, what, what is it? Is it anxiety? Is it um, a, just a, a general heaviness? Is it 
uh, intense fear, you know, what is it that, you know, even just naming our emotions for ourselves uh, goes a really long way in helping us to deal with them. Um, so rather than trying to fix them or make them go away, we just create space for them and allow them to be there without, you know, resisting, pushing away or, um, or, or judging ourselves for how we're feeling. That's a, a massive massive thing that can mess with our emotional resilience is, is you know judging any emotions as good or bad or right or wrong and essentially trying to fix ourselves so that would be my first tip is tune in to your emotional landscape and try and label for yourself how it is that you're feeling without any judgment this this of course is sort of the essence of mindfulness you know being aware and without judging just letting emotions come and go because the reality is, um, you know, what we know from research, from neuroscience is that emotions absolutely will come and go if we let them. Um, I think there's, you know, you might see it quoted sometimes that physiologically in terms of, you know, the chemical response in our body when emotions um, come along, that they only really last about 90 seconds. 90 seconds but the reason why we get so bogged down by uncomfortable emotions is because we cling on to them and we judge them and we tell ourselves narratives about them like you know oh my gosh you know it's never going to feel happy again you know the the world is doomed and oh my gosh we're all you know none of us are ever going to feel happy or light or peaceful again um I think the reality is we will but right now it feels heavy and that's okay you know, it's, it's, that belongs here. We can create space for it. We don't have to like it. We don't have to love it. We don't have to want those feelings here, but right now they are here and that's okay. So I think that's, that's probably one of the most helpful things I personally have, you know, use every day, actually. Um, when I catch myself in some kind of resistance, which is quite often, you know, we, none of us want to feel unpleasant emotions or that heavy energy. So we typically try and push it away, but it's actually remarkably hard to just flick a switch and change how we feel. You know, we don't have a switch on our brain that just instantly um, changes how we feel. We, we can't just think our way to feeling differently, um, but actually it's it, the, the raw edges can easily be taken off the, the emotion when we just actually let it be there. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Well, I guess, in essence, it's okay not to be okay, right? <laughs> exactly. That is the take-home message. And we hear it all the time. And I think we understand it intellectually, but it's yeah. actually putting, putting it into practice. So actually, even out loud, saying to ourselves, you know, I do this. I truly do this. There's wonderful work by uh, Dr. Tara Brack, who's a, she's a, a Buddhist meditation teacher and she's also a clinical psychologist so I would recommend to your listeners if you want to check out her podcast too after this one of course yeah, yeah. Um, she has a, a, um, a you know a technique that she says it like just just you know put your hand on your heart and say it's okay this belongs here you know in relation to whatever emotion is showing up and then if another emotion comes along and this too and this too you know it's just making space for it all it's making space for the not okayness and not just in our mind but literally practicing how to be okay with not being okay and it is hard because we're wired biologically to want to be okay you know all of our 
system, our brain and our body is wired towards wanting to seek pleasure and avoid pain. So that, that's why it requires practice and actually doing stuff, not just sort of thinking about it and saying, oh, it's okay to not be okay, you know, actually practice it. Mm. Is it, uh, I mean, and, and it's fascinating, like you say, where a lot of the, a lot of the behavior is pre-wired and it comes down to survival instinct. Is that mm. why the body, is that why the body holds on to pain? Because what it's actually trying to do is protect you from going through that again, like, you know, putting Absolutely. a knife putting a knife in a toaster but we had, we attribute that to we put a we store a lot of our emotional pain in there as well or are we are we we're not necessarily conditioned to do that but is that something that everybody does or is that a certain type of person that just starts to think my mental process is now I am filing my emotional pain where my survival instinct should go and therefore every time I go into the bank it's going to pull back this response where I go oh I can't get into the situation because I got hurt and that brings back a bad memory therefore I get sad does that make sense yeah yeah it makes sense and and yes we absolutely do that so all of our system everything about our nervous system is wired for protection and self-preservation yep. um and you know that's that's whether we're facing a real threat like a tiger um or or a, a perceived threat like social rejection or shame or embarrassment anything like that um and yes the body does remember the emotions do get filed in the body and that's why um you know sometimes we can have such incredibly strong responses to stuff and we don't even know why because it's sort of like you know our conscious brain is not really it's just not there but it you know it, we just automatically have these reactions these impulsive you know emotionally reactive um responses to stuff and because our body does remember and that's why it's it is so important to try and process difficult emotion and and acknowledge it and create space for it and let it be there and then let it go because when when we don't it just kind of gets jammed in there and it just keeps kind of more and more, you know, tricky emotions are, are, are held on to. And that's literally why, you know, we can feel it in our body, right? You can feel tension in your body. You can feel heaviness in your body. Emotions absolutely manifest physically. And it's also why we get sick. Yeah. You know, immunity starts becoming compromised. So it's, it's all linked. That's why I love this stuff, you know, with the link between mind and body, fitness and well-being, you know, because it is absolutely not true that mind and body are separate. You know, they are not. They're completely intertwined. Yeah, and I guess the, com the complexity of life is the one thing that, do that does us in as well, because the component of physical pain that we experience now compared to the other psychological stress um, or emotional pain is way less than than you think a couple of hundred years ago when we were running around in bare feet throwing sticks and stones to catch our to catch our food now yeah. we're more what now we're, we're more worried about our profile pic um, Absolutely. And, and what our friends think think about us and what type of shoes we're wearing and all of these types of things that, yeah that that the that the, the big corporations are, are driving down our throats um so I guess by by nature, our body is doing exactly what it's designed to do, but where the threat is, where it perceives the threat is way different in today's society. And I see that in the young ones too, eh? Um, mm -hmm. not, not yep. really understanding physical pain, but 
definitely feeling the, the scarred and the burden of emotional pain. Oh, and that's huge. It's that's massive. Yep. I just I'll just um, share with you a really interesting study that um, was done a few years ago that showed essentially, you know, you scan people's brains and the bits of the brain that would light up when we are literally physically hurt, like if a needle went into our leg or maybe even punched in the face, uh, the same bits of the brain light up and are activated when we feel socially rejected. Wow. So yeah, the nature of the, the pain um, may be different, but our brain and therefore our whole body respond in just the same way. So social threats, you know, bullying on social media for the young ones and all, all that kind of stuff, which is just terrifying. Um, it's, yeah, it's very real. It is very real. And our, our system, even though um, the, you know, modern times look very different, we are still carrying around this prehistoric software in our brain that's still responding in the same way as a real threat from a predator. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yeah, it's come It's come down from, yep, I better hide in this cave so I don't get eaten too. Um, Katie says, my ass looks fat in these pants. <laughs> yes, exactly. So <laughs> time, <laughs> so time uh, Katie fictitious, Katie didn't actually tell me my ass looked fat in these pants, but it was just a, an example, just an example. Um, yeah. So, so do you think, uh, I mean, are there, are there tools, and, I, and I'm, I'm sure there obviously are, and it's hard to fast track these things to say, yep, in a moment you'll get over it and you'll be able to overcome all of these obstacles. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, you spoke before about acknowledging, starting to acknowledge some of those moments. Mm -hmm. Is it a matter of trying to, or get to a space where you can high five them on the way through, or if you experience them again, if something comes up, is there a process that you can go through to acknowledge it, to try and let that pass so it doesn't float up again? How deep rooted are these memories, these emotions and these painful moments in the brain? Can they be rewired or can they be slowly filtered out? Can we pull a little disc out and replace it with some positive thoughts? <laughs> yes, they can. Um, I think it's, it takes a, a while gradually yeah, yeah gradually yeah. You, can, you can do stuff with them absolutely and um the brain is such a malleable thing you know you, it used to be back in the day it used to be thought you know once you get to whatever age your brain stops developing and that's it it just slowly declines into old age you know but, <laughs> <laughs> um it's it's there's such a thing called neuroplasticity which is about the brain's ability to just keep learning to keep reshaping itself to rewire to create you know new new neural pathways we're doing it every day yeah. and it absolutely is a thing it is possible and i i love that because there's so much hope in it as well um so i think you're right that you can you know if you have a a difficult memory per se you know that you you can you can learn to reframe it while I guess acknowledging that you know it is what it is it was a painful difficult thing that you experienced it's okay that you struggled with it um, but we can for example take learning from it you know there's we, we talk about stuff like um, post-traumatic stress disorder but there's also such a thing as post-traumatic growth for example yeah which yeah. Um, you know we, we, we are probably we can all move through this really difficult time at the moment with growth from it as well. I mean, I don't know about you, but have you grown as a person through these challenges? What have you learned? Yeah, I, I, I think 
what what I've what I've learned is, I mean, I've spent so much time in looking out for and after other people, and I think mm. that's that's actually distracted me from looking after myself mm. and taken me out of the things that I really feel passionate about and need to do for my own health and well-being. So that mm. once I stop doing that. The, the byproduct of that was I wasn't actually the best version of myself mm. or my cup wasn't full enough to be able to help in the capacity that I wanted to help. So I kind of yeah. withdrew just a little bit. And, and you know, even um, in reference to the, to the podcast, feeling as though I needed to be in a space and up and, and alive and active and all senses firing to be able to, to, to be able to, to be able to help and assist and, and, project the message that I want to project in essence that that probably was the opposite I should have been in those moments here talking expressing um conversing learning growing sharing um mm. but yeah for me for me when when everything else everything else is so great everything else is going so well and it was amazing how this instance just threw me off yeah yeah. So, so what I what I got back to was just reminding myself of the importance of me going out for a bike ride solo, you know, the importance of me sitting down and putting on an audio book and listening, the importance of me just uh, the joy that making a coffee for my daughter in the morning and still making her lunch as she goes off to work, the joy that I have of bringing my wife coffee um, as she's sitting in her desk in front of her double screens tapping away with headphones on furiously um yeah just the 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 joy that I had potting around the house and mowing lawns and all of that type of stuff all of the very very simple things um I just kind of lost myself in that so what I did was um I, I took I took the guilt out of putting myself first mm, so important <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. And, and just rec recognizing that, you know, in order to, 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 to help, to help people in order to talk the talk, I really needed to walk the walk. Yes, I think, and you have yeah. touched on two major things there, I think, you know, in terms of, I know that people, you know, I do it for, we listen to podcasts because we're like, what's the tips and the tricks I need to get to the <laughs> what are they and so you've touched on two of them actually in terms of you know stress management increasing resilience one is get super clear for yourself on what you need to be well because well-being is an individually defined thing well a collectively too it's not just about us on our own but it, it means different things to different people so you've just created you've just shared some of your definition of well-being which is the simple stuff, the bike rides, the podcast, the learning, the, the making coffee for people that you love and care about, you know, that, that is Adam Rigby's version of well-being. And so those are the things that we need to keep checking in with to ask ourselves, hey, am I doing enough of this? You know, the energy's heavy now. The world feels heavy. I need to really turn the dial up on this stuff and I need to do it guilt-free. And the second thing, so that's, that is a tip and a trick and a strategy. Get clear for yourself on what your personal definition of well-being means. And the second thing is put very solid boundaries in place that protect time and space for those things. And, you know, quite often that requires saying no to other things. And I know that some people, including myself, 
cringe about the idea of saying no yes <laughs> hands up people i even have a t-shirt that says people please anonymous right <laughs> belongs to my club yeah. <laughs> we can talk about that topic too uh but it, it's it really is you know there's a reason why when you board a flight and they go through the emergency proceedings that they tell you that in the, an event of emergency put your oxygen mask on first there's a really good reason for that exactly like you said you cannot be of service and to contribute in the ways that you want to contribute to you know your listeners or to your family your friends the people in your gym classes if you yourself are depleted um you know it's okay to say no to things and sometimes it's just a case of having some very basic you know language there for yourselves because i know a lot of people struggle with like but what should i say so that i don't sound offensive you know but it's just thank you so much for the invite i'm unable to make it you know simple as that and that's okay to protect that that yep. time more time and space for yourself so you've there's two key strategies there that i couldn't recommend more and how are you no, feeling no. now did it work did it help do you feel topped up <clears throat> yeah absolutely it's, it's it's funny actually because um i'll give you one a, a pretty good example and and uh my my daughter is very much my oldest daughter um, is very much like me, very in tune, uh, an, an empath, mm. and 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 it's liberating and frustrating, <laughs> and, and, and in the same breath, and can carry a significant amount of weight. But but um, so she's moved out now, and I and I do miss her every day, just having her to hang out with and chat and. You know, sit on the couch and see how a day is, but we still obviously keep in contact. She comes to class. Um, we see her every week anyway. But um, packages as they do arrive in on our doorstep from couriers, a variety of clothing items, etc. Um, <laughs> that the the girls seem to immerse themselves in, and that's fine. They earn their own money. I'm trying to coach <laughs> them through the process, but what do you do? Um, but. <laughs> But uh, a package arrives and and she opens it and she hands it to me, um, and it's and it's this. It's uh, you see that beautiful. Oh, yes, man. I can. Yeah, and she she said that um, she she saw it on saw it online, and she said that it spoke to her, and that she felt at that stage that was something that I really needed. So, um, in terms of this, this, this is this is a timely spiritual anchor for me. Mm. A timely yes. spiritual anchor, and believe it or not, I, um, I was gifted a ponamu through Lesma. It was when you go through the filming experience, they give you a a ponamu. And years ago, uh, too many years to remember, actually, I gifted it to Annabelle because I felt her need for it was more than mine. And the reason I was given it was to gift to her. Wow. So, so, so that um, from that moment, it's something that I knew I would not necessarily get returned, but that something would come to me in its place. And it has from here. Which is incredibly special. So, in terms of that, yeah, I, I guess knowing that someone's in tune enough 
and to 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 know what I'm feeling and be compelled enough to purchase something which is an an incredible treasure an incredible treasure and a timely treasure to me something that I've always known was coming to me and the timing seems to be perfect as it always does and so obviously I wear it close to my heart so having the opportunity to have a human on that planet that I've been somewhat responsible for to do something that kind uh yeah is very is very centering and has a huge amount of gravity so just want to say to my beautiful daughter thank you so much you know I love this you know I love you more but um, this is something incredibly special for me. That is so beautiful. And I just, I think it, it brings up a whole nother um, aspect as well to the, you know, how do we deal with such challenging times? And kindness is one of those things, whether it's to your family or random acts of kindness to other people is huge because I think, you know, when we turn on the news and we see the types of scenes that we're seeing in the Ukraine, we can very quickly, you know, come to the conclusion that human beings are effed, you know, yep. and we are horrible and the yep. world is horrible. And we start, you know, I, I have felt so much anxiety recently for my young son. I have a two and a half year old, young, beautiful wee son called Hunter. And I just think what world are you growing up in? And it, honestly, the anxiety is like clutching at my throat. But I think one of the things that can really happen is coming back to, you know, I think what, what Buddhists would call our basic goodness, you know, like we're, there's, there's so much good and we can share that with random acts of kindness that don't take away the horror and the big problems and the, you know, the fact that Kiwis were at war with each other on parliament grounds, you know, like it doesn't take that away. It doesn't minimize it in any way, but it still makes a difference. Every tiny act of random kindness, you know, it makes us feel good and it makes somebody else feel good. And um, I was just talking the other day with people about uh, there is such a thing as, as givers, uh, is it, yeah, givers high, I think, you know, Adam, like, you know, runners high. Yeah, yeah, when, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, all the endorphins and you're like, oh my God, it's like the best drug on the planet. Well, there's also um, givers high, which is when, you know, you do something kind for somebody else and you get the same response in you um, as you would had you received kindness. So yep. it's like the beautiful reciprocation of, of, um, awesome feelings from from one person to another and I think even even more special sometimes if it's a total stranger you know just paying for the coffee behind you or not it doesn't even have to be money related but that stuff can go a long way too when you're not feeling that flash yourself yeah Do you, yeah and it just it just reminds me that there's so there's so many good things in the world there are so many great people there are so many kind small moments that get overlooked and it's easy to sensationalize everything that's going on and what's going on is horrible in the world um obviously with ukraine my heart goes out to the to to the people and even the russian people who are still going through yes. an, an an incredibly tumultuous uh tumultuous time because everybody will get scarred by that event and the the to the russian population that that live here um, the emotional outpouring that they have as well uh, mm. to the sports people overseas, you know, the Russians that are getting the, that are getting affected. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a terrible time to the, to the, to the people of the nation who, you know, just 
<laughs> just want to live their lives like we want to live their lives, except they've got tanks roaring through their towns and they don't know whether the next thing that comes through the window is going to be a flipping shell. Mm. You know, and mm. and that's <clears throat> and that's also a massive kick of perspective. Because when I th when I think about um, especially the pro the protests in Wellington and we we talk about freedom um, and 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 the protest about the threat of freedom that we have in this nation comparative to what else is going going on in the world that's where there was a huge amount of anger for me as well and I, I wasn't really used to that that threw me yes yeah. it's, it's very it's very polarizing right it's very polarizing on the other side of the fence what i did do is remove myself from from conversations because there was no win or lose in the conversations you either thought one way or the other but what I did start to do is shift focus to other things that were probably best served for both parties talking about. Yes. You yeah. Know, and some that's a boundary. Perfect boundary and action there. You know, yeah, I need it, to myself. Yeah. It, 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 absolutely. For the benefit of moving forward, because again, it's it's just all you're doing is adding fuel to the fire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially when you come up against resistance. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've become very, very good at very, very good at listening. Um, and look, I understand that it's in, it's important for me that it's great to be amongst like-minded individuals. But 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 Cody and I've talked about this before. You know, what you don't want is an echo chamber. It's important that everybody mm -hmm. has, or you're surrounded by different opinions that challenge you, because that's how we evolve and grow, right? That's how we learn most of our lessons. Um, but this was a situation like, like, like no other. And then we go from people complaining about freedom. There was a very good um, snippet on, uh, on Facebook. That was a guy talking about the effect that, the, effect that the, the mandates have had on him. And he was filming it from a motocross track. So he was out doing something that he was incredibly passionate about, talking about the impact that it had on his freedom. I'm like, well, mate, honestly, <laughs> yes. really, the, irony. Really, the, the <laughs> irony. But but again, for me, that was where I went. That was mm. that was my view pushing me into that space, looking for reasons to really object. Yeah, you yeah. know, and and yeah. work against what he was trying to say, but mm. also taking the time to listen to what he had to say. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think everybody has an opinion and, and we've got to bear in mind that it can come from generations. That 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 knowledge can be generational or the lack of knowledge can be generational as well. The bias, the prejudice can be generational. Mm. Um, so it's very interesting to take the time to to listen, challenge your own opinions always. I think I'm a big, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of that. Um, but also if you're passionate about something, um, you know, stick up for yourself and and be be in an environment where um, you can be given the time and respect to listen, but you can also be given the time and respect to talk. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I, yeah. yeah, I think. Um, you brought up a really awesome point there too about the anger taking you by surprise, which is, mm. I think it's so important for us to acknowledge that the last couple of years has um, been the 
a huge <laughs> test on our emotional agility and resilience. And I think it's really important to take a moment to actually congratulate and celebrate ourselves for still being standing right now. <laughs> because yeah. someone had told us like three years ago, two years ago, what was about to happen. I mean, we would have been like, you, you've got to be kidding. You know, this is like the stuff of zombie apocalypse movies. Yeah. And yet, here we are, still standing, still moving forward, still doing the best that we can, you know, still working a full-time job and homeschooling children. You know, it's just, we are so much more resilient than we know. And I think we can easily forget that because of our pesky brain's negativity bias that thinks about all the ways, you know, fixates on all the ways that we're failing or falling short or aren't good enough or haven't made enough progress yet without actually stopping to say, hang on a minute, look what we've actually been through and navigated the last two years. That's big time. And it's really important for us to collectively celebrate that. Yeah, and, and, and with every situation, eh? um, physical yeah. and emotional, giving yourself credit for, for, for where you are, for every obstacle and hurdle that you've faced, um, for every moment and every memory that comes up that was painful. Mm. And I think, I think a pretty powerful tool for me is acknowledging the fact that I got through it. And, I'm, and, and it's not a bad thing to say, look at me now. Look, yeah. as, as a result, of that incident, accident, that day, that date, that time, that moment, it has actually shaped you into the human being that you are today. Um, some can view that as a massive negative. Some can view it as a massive positive. But I think the ability as a human being just to overcome obstacles and hurdles, a lot of it is maybe self-driven. You got yourself out of a situation. It may be a situation where you needed to call on other people and friends and acknowledging the people in your life that you had at that moment and maybe potentially still have or the recent yeah. season lifetime someone that helped you on mm. on your journey but here you are mm. having the ability to talk about situations like that as a win right having <laughs> having the having the self-awareness the ability and the courage to to share those moments with other people is a massive win as well Yes, because I because th yes. I think sharing those with other people um, and giving them not that they necessarily need it, giving them permission, but letting them know that it's okay to open up and and talk about moments where you've been challenged, because that's in a, in essence I think what we are here to do. We're here to learn. <laughs> we're here to grow. We're here to share, um, and we're here to give. Agreed, 100% agreed. And I think there's nothing, personally, I find nothing more comforting than knowing that I'm not alone in my struggles because I think what can make struggles feel so struggly is you think you're the only one, right? You know, it's like yeah. I, I, I am the only person that is feeling this immense sense of dread right now. But no, actually, no, <laughs> it's, you know, it's worldwide at the moment and um, it's okay and we will move through it um, bit by bit. And yep. it, you know, stories, sharing stories with each other. If you're if you're comfortable and at a place where you're happy to do that, can offer so much comfort to to other people. So just like I hope us sharing today is offering comfort to whoever's listening or watching. Yeah, and uh, and I mean, you imagine a scene where, as volatile as it was, as the the fire went out, the shields dropped, and the bricks went down, and one side says to the other. Hey man, 
I just I just want to provide for my family and the other side says me too mm. and, and the response is I, I just want a country where I feel safe where I feel free where I can make decisions and I know there's a future for me and the other side says me too mm. <laughs> and it was exactly and it was exactly the same in that chaos and carnage two sides clashing wanting exactly the same things and again my heart went out to those that were involved initially with a view to we want to do this peacefully we can succeed mm. with our message peacefully and also the other side to our brave police <laughs> who put their bodies on the line these are people even recruits that were coming out of police college who would never have dreamed to be in that situation um to be thrust into that type of violence I, I couldn't even imagine the fear I couldn't even imagine even day to day I've had friends that have been in the police force friends that are still in the police force and the stuff that they have to deal with on a daily basis just Man, I, I tell you what, I, I cringe and, and sometimes some of the stuff you just want to curl up because yeah. reality is <clears throat> society out there, the majority of us have no idea what's happening, what's bubbling in the underbelly of this nation. Yes. We have no idea how bad, how cruel and how horrible some people can be. And our mm. police are in the direct firing line each and every day. If there's violence in the street, if there's someone wandering around with a gun, who do we call? It's the police. Mm. They have an intention to help all people. So to see them in that situation fighting against people that wanted exactly the same thing was horrifying and, and painful. So my heart goes out really to both sides, but the police, I did see the following day when everything was being cleaned up and there was three police officers walking. I just walked past on my way to the gym and I said, guys, I just want to say thank you. You're yeah. doing a wonderful job. And from me and the city, I just want to say thank you. And the looks on their faces, you know, because they're scanning around they're looking. For, they were like, what? <laughs> what just happened? What like, just happened? An angel just came across our path. <laughs> Fine person. Yeah, yeah but, just, but just to acknowledge, yeah, obviously suffering on both sides. Uh, again, yeah. it's going to be polarizing. One side mm. will see exactly the opposite. Again, that moment that I talk about that when the shields drop, everybody wants exactly the same thing. It's very hard to see that when you're mm. heightened and, uh, you know, one stone led, led to many, which was a shame. But it's part of our history now. We just have to work through it. And, and most of all, we have to learn from yep. it. And we have to make sure that that type of shit doesn't happen again. Yeah. And, I, and it starts with, like you said, about when you take the time to, understand like you did you know you know you you were aware of that and that reactive anger you but then you were able to step out from that give it space acknowledge it's there don't try and make it go away but step out from it and then try and listen to what the motocross guy was actually saying like yep. that that is how we learn and we make sure that we don't it doesn't happen again and it's the same turned inward you know when stuff is hard be aware tune in and take a moment to listen to yourself. What do I need? You know, why, why is this showing up for me? And that's self-compassion. And then 
listening and understanding extends into other compassion as well. And that's that's how we move through this sort of stuff. Yeah, and I, I finish off everything by just, you know, the, the usually uh, when I get the opportunity to speak in front of people, the last thing I say to, to, the, to, to any group fitness class, even the podcast, if you can be anything, be kind. And yeah. again, we've hit on the fact that, of course, you have to be kind to yourself. You have to give yourself space and permission to feel and to experience, to acknowledge that. And of course, when you're in a position to do that, not saying you have to become the master of it, but it's very easy to be kind for others. And it could be holding a door open. It could be a smile is also, you know, one of the most contagious things around is actually a smile. Yes. Probably, probably pushed into second place now compared to <laughs> other things that are, that are going around like lightning. Um, but I think people are much more receptive to the contagion of a smile and, and not as opposed yeah. to the we're talking about at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and that too. Um, uh, but, it, but as you said, this time will pass. Mm. This yep. time will pass. And... And certainly, you know, with with the planet has gone through a, a, a massive learning curve. Again, there were there are not just two sides. This is a dodecahedron of theories, and and you know, I'm sure there's validity in every single <laughs> every single theory. But what it comes down to for me, in the midst of all this chaos, I just want to make sure that my family is safe. And that includes my beautiful 86-year-old mum, who I have the pleasure of still going out for coffee with each and every week, sitting down, having a cake, chatting about life, giving her a cuddle and thanking her for all the, the, the years of grind and mahi that she put in so that I can put my best forward best foot forward and the best be the best version of myself today so you know that's what I'm that's what I'm fighting for at the end of the day generations um and I think about the timing that my mum the, the 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 times are way different right the expectation of what we should be as adults and where we should where, where our kids should be uh in terms of timeline is completely different um when they got married when they had children <laughs> the plan was all worked out right based on you know you do your nine to five job and you come back and you have sausages potatoes and peas and and um if you don't eat your dinner you can't have any pudding <laughs> and that would be ice cream and peaches and that would be your treat yes, yes. <laughs> um everything was almost preordained to, to a pattern and we know that life is way more complex than way more complex than that but mm -hmm. i also acknowledge the hard work that uh the generations prior to me have put in and even the wars that they have fought um the experiences that that they have gone through so that i can i can live and laugh and love and share this beautiful place that i call home mm. um yeah it's, it's it's very interesting actually i was at a at a wedding in the weekend <laughs> which is yeah touch wood um everything is all good i'm super healthy um <laughs> <laughs> but moving on quickly um, <laughs> seeing actually the, the thing i love about lo love about weddings and i heart back to that is is and there's a couple of components to this really is seeing generations on show yeah like so seeing 
yeah, seeing, seeing generation upon generation on, upon gener generation and the acknowledgement of the part that they play in the life and, and the moment, which is to families coming together and acknowledgement of the past and, and also a celebration of the future, right? But, um, but, you know, you get three or four generations in some cases to witness that. I, you know, unfortunately, I lost my grandparents very, very early. I have very limited memories, memories of them apart from a little bit of research and chats about who they were as people. But reading about people is very different to experience mm, mm, people because yeah. it's it's someone's words right it's not directly from the source so i did get to miss out on that so thankfully um you know i've, I've managed to uh over the years spend a bit of time with the parents and and look unfortunately the the the, the quality time that that i really got to deep dive with my father was two weeks prior to his death which is mm -hmm. a condensed challenging but also quite liberating time Mm. but the but but seeing seeing the impact and again it'll it'll go kind of it'll go right back to the start of the conversation and you were saying mm. in terms of your prison inmates seeing the habits the 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 mannerisms and the quirks from one generation slowly weave its way through every consecutive generation mm. in terms of behavioral patterns is fascinating mm. is absolutely fascinating when you see when you see a father when you see a grandfather who has a quirk or uh, a, a, a mannerism or a habit that has been passed down three generations it's like wowzers and that's also not physical that can be emotional as well oh, so for sure yeah yeah so when, when if we can go right back to when you're when you're going through your per period of study and especially mm. in terms of the 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 prison environment mm. how do you man how do you unpack that uh, <laughs> is, is that is that a common theme that came up a lot in terms of uh this is all i know or is it something that they were thrust into an environment that was completely different is is there a is it is it 60 40 or, or do you find it's it's generational i only do this because this is what i know very much so i think um i don't know i don't know what number i'd put on the you know whether 60 40 but into yeah. intergenerational transmission is that you know the if we want to get flash about it uh, is the terminology you might use is was was huge and i i mean i spent a lot of time talking with um with gang members where it, it's it is it was all they knew that's you know from from day dot they were that was their life yeah and so i think that's why um you know we learn so much from what we see we learn from you know we take on behaviors that are normalized for us and so i think that's why it's not an excuse for you know violent behavior for example but i think why i had so much compassion and tried my best to understand was because um i mean if i'd grown up in those in that environment i don't think i would have been doing a phd like i probably would have been a gang member too you know yeah. like we and it comes back to what you were saying before about you know when we when the shields were dropped at, at the very essence of it we all want the same thing and it's the same with people who you know the 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 the, the men that i spoke with in prison they want the same thing as I do. They want security. They want power. 
you know, they want to matter. They want, um, they want to fulfill a bigger picture purpose. They want, but it's just misguided. It just happens to be antisocial because yeah. that was often their norm. You know, there, there is no difference between me and them apart from our behavior. But at our very essence, we are human beings. We want the best for our life. It's just, we were going about it in two very different ways. And I had the privilege of not having the type of you know upbringing that they did. And again, I'm not excusing that because we all also have choice in our life. Yeah. We have agency, we have autonomy, but it's very difficult to uh, you know, make a totally pro-social choice if all you've ever known is antisocial. You know, yeah. it's a little bit hard just to, to see the light when you're, you know, a child and think, oh no, you know, my whole family's in a gang, but I'm gonna go the other way. Um, but but sometimes it does happen if we have, you know, protective people in our lives that can show us a different way. That yeah. was often you know, the case that people that might have gone one way or the other, somebody believed in them or showed them a different way. Yeah. And environment is everything, right? Eh? Environment yes. is yep. everything. I mean, genetics, yeah, a little, little bit, little bit, but nature, nature, environment is, is massive. It is. So, so how do you, how do you, how do you break, how do you break that cycle? Is it something that's unbreakable? Is it just a moment in time where where the, it's up to the individual themselves just to say enough is enough and to, to understand the potential that they have. How do, we, how do we reinforce, not so much force, but how do we express to those people the opportunity that's on the other side? Is, 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 that, is that even possible? Yeah, I think so. It's not, uh, absolutely. I think it's, I mean, it's not straightforward. It's not quick, but it's, it's, it's often helping people. It's not telling people anything because that doesn't work. Um, and yep. that's, you know, that's whether we're talking about people in prison or people that are, you know, uh, you know, if people are told by their GP, for example, that they must lose weight because their health is suffering, that that's often not very effective either unless it's like crisis point, in which case it might be effective, but it's, it's helping people decide for themselves. So helping people to really see the mismatch between their current reality and their desired reality. So, you know, for the guys in prison, oftentimes there were some bits that weren't adding up for them, you know, like that they, they, they were missing out on children's lives. You know, they were getting sick of the, 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 the prison life, um, but it was kind of helping them to see that, that you know, there's more um, costs to them than than benefits anymore or rewards. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that was so often why you'd see people just kind of come out of the life when they get a bit older because they're like, I'm a bit effing over this. I'm too tired. I'm too old for this. <laughs> and they don't have that realization themselves, even after a you know a lifetime of of prison crime, antisocial behaviour. Um, and so I think it's it's always self-determined, right? We, it has to be, the motivation has to come from us, but that doesn't mean that other people can't shine the light on, you know, maybe, hey, what if there's a different way? What might it look like if you took a different approach or there's another perspective? Or what might it look like if you weren't, if you didn't have to keep going back to prison? What, what, what could your life turn into then? What would you like it to turn into? Yeah. Um, and it, it's very tricky. I mean, you know, behavior change can be very hard, especially when you've got um, often society going against you. There's a lot of stigma 
understandably around people who have done you know crimes and have you know tattoos everywhere and they look intimidating and you know but um absolutely people can transform and do complete 180s i've seen it i have yeah. seen it you know yeah. it is absolutely possible and again i'll keep saying that's true of whether we um are offenders in prison or just you and me so that you know and there's something in our life that we want to do that we think that's not possible for me well it is i promise you it is yeah that's my message it is <laughs> and it's that it's that ancient archaic view of leadership you know leadership used to be survival of the the strongest and it was about beating and 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 submissing everybody below you and we yeah. know now that that leadership is far more than that leadership is actually inspiring everybody mm. to arrive at the same place to stand on the top of the mountain with you to share those experiences to empower mm. it, it, do, do you see do you see that shift in in leadership shifting people's mental states and their ability to fight the way out of that you know are there leaders now and i'm sure there are leaders in communities that are saying guys there's far more to life than this and is there a is there a shift in power is there a shift in power yeah i think so from do you mean in leadership style yeah 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 i think there is i think that i mean there are still some entrenched uh, old leadership ways of the the kind of the hierarchical um dictator kind of leader but i think i think people are coming around a lot more to the fact that you know it, when we're talking about we're, we're talking about leading human beings yep. we're not you know leading robots so if we want to draw the best out in people then you know see what what are their strengths you know you use a coaching approach rather than just telling people what to do and you'll notice that you'll probably get a lot more back from them because people feel valued they feel like they can you know utilize the the things that they love to do and it you know it instantly very quickly you start to see differences in people when you take that approach with them right same with offenders you know yep. value yep. them see them actually see them as a as a, a valuable human being and sometimes i mean that can just be all the difference for somebody when they feel validated and seen by another human being that's why i love coaching because yep. I, I don't give people the answers because i don't have the answers to their life they do they are the experts at their life yeah and um yeah and i think it, like you know the the acknowledgement to independently that we're we're actually all leaders and yes that, and and that we're not we're not just there to make up numbers we're not just there to participate humbly we're not robots mm. um and devices to be used by others we have our own wonderful unique talents we have the ability to lead and the ability to share and include and inspire and that's i, I firmly believe that's within each and every every one of us and mm -hmm. and you know to, to to take on that responsibility is within all of us as well it just mm -hmm. takes a moment right and a shift in philosophy and self-belief is fucking hard like self-belief is <laughs> fucking hard but it's not impossible but all you need to do is as you've said is put yourself in front of someone or find someone that believes you and believes in you and i guarantee in your life today guarantee 100 there is someone you know 
that believes in you. And that's the port of call. That's the first port of call, sitting down Absolutely. and chatting to that person and those people, people like yourself, eh? It's so true because sometimes we just need to borrow some until we build our own, you know? We can just yeah. borrow someone else's self-belief um, <clears throat> until we build our own. And I've had to do it many times. In fact, that's how I even got started in group fitness because there's no freaking way I would have <laughs> had the belief in myself to rock up to someone and say, hey, I want to do that. I'll, I'll be good at getting on the stage and, and doing that stuff. No way. That's not. I, someone asked me to do it. Um, yeah. you know it's, it wouldn't have gone the other way around and I, I had to borrow belief for many years in fact I still do sometimes um, I think it's such an important message that um, we can all look at other people and assume that they're confident and they've got all their shit sorted and but it is part of the human experience and you know to experience <clears throat> doubt and to sometimes be quite crippled by it it's normal um, it doesn't have to cripple us so the yeah. the the joy is in learning how to navigate that and unhook yourself from it so that it doesn't have to shove you around and own your life. Um, but it but it is very normal. We're not the only ones, you know, but it feels like we are. Like the only yeah. anxious one that thinks they're <laughs> crap over here and has no freaking clue what they're doing. <laughs> no, we all feel that to some degree. Yeah, that, impo that imposter syndrome is something that comes up and it, and it became, yeah. you know, very relevant. A lot of people were talking about it because it is it, it is real and it's important to, to acknowledge it every moment. You know, when someone asks you to do something like, oh, me, why, why me? Yeah. Um, the, the, the answer is actually in the question that someone felt compelled by an action that you did or something that you displayed to ask you to do that certain task or mm. you know you're exactly the, the moment where you're exactly where you need to be to experience what you're about to experience the, those are the types of things in terms of like a like a saying like you've like you've indicated acknowledgement of mm. those micro moments and the power that they the power that they have and mm. also the power that we have as individuals and humans just to push through mm. just to push through um, I, I love that I've always loved that and and you know you talked about coaching putting yourself in front of a coach is great mm. getting some tips not really tricks but <laughs> assisting you on putting your feet firmly on a path but the steps are yours to walk and the initial steps may be may be flooded with the voice of your coach but the more you hear that and the more you reinforce it and the more steps you take, slowly the voice becomes yours. Yes. And then that voice gets louder and then the voice is one that you can share with others. And that's the journey for me. Mm. You know, actually, a coach's job is to create coaches, I believe. Right? Yes. And an instructor's job is the legacy is for us to empower people to actually take on the journey themselves to be inspired enough to inspire others yeah um and that's something i've always loved about it and the other thing i love obviously is they they uh embrace the freak in us all to to celebrate yeah. the things that make us uniquely different and to say hey we actually you know we really love that about you i know at yeah. times you may feel stink and you've tried to hide that for a long long time but mm. you know what we really want you to showcase it we think it makes you beautiful wonderful and unique we want to help you get better at it and when you mm. do that you're going to inspire people to do the same and make them acknowledge that part of themselves and recognize and realize that they've got a place that they can hang out and be themselves 
and be the yes. best version of themselves. That's what <laughs> that's what I that's what I love. Um, in a in a nutshell. Um, man, so I told you the yaks would go like we we are we're blasted through. Um, well over well over an hour of chats, and it's and and again, you're one of these people that I could just sit and talk to for hours. Um, and I'm hoping that actually we get to do a face to face if you ever do make it to Welly. Let's sit down and have a have a coffee or a tea a herbal tea perhaps <laughs> chamomile with a touch of blueberry and a little ramekin of honey <laughs> rather rather than supercharging my personality so i can't sit still and tap my foot relentlessly on, on cafe another short black please yes why not double espresso yes. that's me <laughs> that's um, me too <laughs> yeah i know i've actually got to a stage where i'm like cut time time you know i'm a two coffee two coffee limit as wonderful mm -hmm. as, as the as the coffees are in the cafes that I frequent, probably less mm -hmm. now. But um, yes. um, Bex, I've 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 enjoyed the time chatting to you. I'm I'm fascinated. Like seriously, listening to you chat with a wealth of knowledge, but but also the 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 heart and the determination, and the steps that you have taken to get yourself to a space where you have the ability to share um takes a special kind of person and i just want to acknowledge that bravery and also the mahi that you've obviously put in and continue to put in it what it's what makes you wonderfully unique but it's also what makes us all wonderfully unique to see you supercharge that acknowledge that side of yourself and actually take the time to invest in sharing that with others is a wonderful thing um and i want to thank i want to thank you for that from the bottom of my heart um, if you do get a chance to check out Dr. Bex Bell on her socials, Remix, um, do it. There's some magic stuff on your Insta page, stuff that we can all learn and share from. Um, I'd love to have you back on the show too and just continue to vibe and chat if you're gracious enough to join us again. Absolutely. My pleasure. Um, and the one thing where I put you on the spot is... Is there something that you are compelled to say, something that you wish to share, a last, not final parting message, but just a gift, a little tinfoil bag for our viewers and listeners to, to, to take away something that'll help them through these tumultuous times that we're all experiencing and feeling? Mm. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, it doesn't take away any of the tumultuous times, but just to kind of pull on the thread a little bit more of what you were just saying about, you know, strengths and your newness and so on is I think it's so important to remember and reduces so much distress that the world needs you done your way. The world needs you done your way. And that can relate to, you know, things you want to achieve, but it can also relate to things like on a day-to-day -day basis, what does your way need to be that day? It might be a day where you're pushing the limits, you're achieving epic things, you're reaching out to other people, you're, you're doing acts of kindness for other people, or it also might be a day when you need to retreat into your shell a little bit and you need to give yourself permission to slow down, to withdraw, to just sit in the cave and process and you know do what you need to do so just you know there is no way that you should be there is nothing you should be doing you know it's you're just as you are right now is exactly how you need to be and you already 
have everything you need to live your best life, your boldest life, your most resilient life, and to make the contribution that you want to make. Um, roll with it, just roll with it. You know, open up to what shows up for you in terms of emotions, in terms of life experiences. Um, so another three, three things I would say in terms of emotional resilience, and I can't take any credit because it's said by a man, a wonderful man called Dr. Rick Hansen, is, um, you know, let it be, let it in, let it go. Let it be, let it in, and eventually let it go. And I think when we can try and approach each day with that and with, you know, giving ourselves permission to just be us and all our crazy vulnerabilities, our anxieties, our joy, our whatever, um, life just opens up and feels a little less sort of threatening and heavy. That's what I'd say. Wonderful. Um, you know, obviously you're a shining star, but a star that focuses on creating others as well. Um, yeah, you know, and I think the message to the people too is, is, you know, you'll get to a place one day where it makes sense, where yeah. you'll actually truly appreciate and realise whether it's looking through a photo album and really understanding how great you are, the opportunities that, that you've had for growth, for the amazing people that you've met, the people that have challenged you incredibly at times, the people who have uplifted you and hopefully they stay in your life for a long, long time. Um, and if this podcast has been a part of that, I'm truly grateful. Um, Dr. Bex Bell, thank you so much for your time, for your energy, for all the stuff you do. Um, and from us at the DMC podcast, episode number 43. Till next time. And if you can be anything, of course, be kind. Thanks so much. Don't forget to like, subscribe and share if you can. Yes. Peace. Yay. Thank you, Adam, and to the podcast listeners. Thank you for yeah. having me. Absolute pleasure. Absolute privilege. And um, yes, thank you for your time and energy too, Adam, and the work that you do. Thank you, mate. Take care.